0: right, so we are uh, turning once again to uh, the book of Colossians, and um, we find here uh, a prayer by the Apostle Paul for these people, these believing people. Uh, He has already uh, given thanks for the fruitfulness of the gospel in their lives. He's rejoicing to see that and thanking God for it, um, but he's asking for more. Right? And that's the interesting thing. Uh, however far we have gone in our personal walk with the Lord, there's more to go. Right? There is more to go. And we count not ourselves to have apprehended, to have arrived, to have attained, uh, but we press forward. And so that's really what he's praying for these people. Uh, there are two main aspects to his request. Uh, the first in verse 9... That they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. But this knowledge is not to be academic only. It's not just information that's nice to know. It is information to be lived, right? When we know the will of God, that speaks to our living. And so the second part of his request, that they might walk worthy of the Lord, verse 10. And then there are various aspects, additional phrases that are given to us that help uh, elaborate and give us a fuller picture of what that kind of walk looks like. And uh, what we have seen already is that it is unto all pleasing. And we would take that as uh, pleasing the Lord primarily. Uh, that is in view there. And uh, so a walk <coughs> that is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, it is also a walk that is marked by fruitfulness. Uh, fruitful in every good work. And again, Jesus taught much about that, especially in uh, the upper room, just prior to his arrest and crucifixion. His, his uh, 11 disciples are gathered around, very close group there. Uh, just the 11, Judas had already left. And uh, so it's in that uh, setting that he taught them about fruit bearing and how they must abide in him. For without him, they can do nothing. Right. So again, if we are going to walk worthy of the Lord, uh, it would be a fruitful walk, but it's a walk that is entirely dependent upon him. Right. It is our relationship with him that enables the kind of fruitfulness that is pleasing unto the Lord. And uh, that fruitfulness is marked by every good work. Uh, So that which is evil should have no place uh, in our uh, walk. Again, um, we are not there yet, but as the Lord brings it to our attention, uh, may we uh, repent and forsake uh, that which is evil. And then that brings us Uh, to a phrase at the end of verse 10. So this is also part of a walk that is worthy of the Lord, uh, that we would be increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, (laughs) there is some similarity to uh, some of the things that have already been said, and it's not that uh, these are uh, entirely separate categories. Because obviously, uh, if we are walking unto all pleasing, it's evident that that would be being fruitful unto all good works, right? So it's not that these are uh, exclusive phrases, exclusive categories. They're just different ways of describing the walk that we are called to and that Paul is praying that we would have. So it it is... um, one other description here is that this walk would be increasing in the knowledge of god the term that is translated increasing is in other places uh, translated growing uh, for example in first peter uh, he uh, uses the picture of a, a new baby. And he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And so you have literally that, that picture of a little baby, but you don't want that uh, person to stay a little baby. If they stayed a little baby, you would be very concerned um, because something's not right. Uh, they should be growing, right? And so so that term is used in that context, right? So it has that idea of growing. It can also be used uh, of plant growth. So literally speaking of plant growth. Here, it's obviously speaking of a growth in knowledge, right? Uh, but it it is interesting that it comes right alongside of the idea of being fruitful so being fruitful and increasing uh, are two terms that are are uh, correlated right so uh, again that fruitfulness that productiveness that testimony of life right this is a living plant it's bearing fruit as we would hope and so on Uh, This idea of increasing in the knowledge of God very much goes along with that. So here's this increase or growing in the knowledge of God. What is very interesting is that in verse 9, he was praying that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will. So on the one hand, there was that desire that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. The result of that would be a walk that is worthy of the Lord. But one of the components of that kind of a walk is an increasing knowledge of God himself. And so it's not just a knowing of his will, but it's a knowing of God himself that Paul is interested in for these believers. Um, and there is, a, there is a difference, isn't there? I mean, you can know what someone wants, um, and I guess in knowing what they want, you know something about them, uh, but that doesn't require personal, experiential knowledge of the person. You can know what someone wants because you may have read about it or someone else may have told you about it. You know, oh, so-and-so, this is what they want. This is all he can talk about, whatever. Really interested in having this or doing that or whatever. Someone can tell you about that. And you know something about that person's desires, his will, uh, but you don't really know the person. So this is telling us, no, we want to know the person. And we want to have an increasing knowledge of God himself. Now, this idea of knowing God is connected with our walk. Right, So we are walking worthy of the Lord, and then here are these additional descriptions, increasing in the knowledge of God. So as we proceed through life as a Christian, as we are stepping day by day, moment by moment through life, uh, making our choices, fulfilling our responsibilities, doing the things that are set before us day by day to do... That walk is supposed to contribute, the walk itself, the way we are living, okay, is supposed to contribute to an increase in our personal knowledge of God. And that makes sense if we are doing some of what we've been studying in Romans chapter 8. Because in Romans chapter 8, we are are being taught about not walking in the flesh, but walking in the spirit. That's the third person of the Godhead. And in Romans chapter 8, we're told that he dwells within us. And even as we studied this morning, and we understand that in our weakness, in our infirmity, As we are facing those troubling times of life, and there may be cases where we don't even know what to pray. We don't even know what is the will of God in this situation. We are to be encouraged that God is right there with us. And his spirit is interceding on our behalf. He is groaning as we are groaning, right? He he knows all about the pressure, all about the trouble that we are facing. Right, so there's this, this emphasis on this personal relationship with God Himself. He is praying to the Father for you, specifically, your specific situation. And so as we walk through life, it is God's intent that we truly do walk in the Spirit. Uh, that we can, as we're going about our day, we can talk to God all day long. Right, uh, again, one of those beautiful pictures that is, Given to us by way of example is uh, Nehemiah when he is before the king, and he's heard this really discouraging news about the the condition of Jerusalem, right uh, He's there in captivity, uh, serving in the, uh, the office of the king, uh, his cupbearer and so on, so very responsible position, but uh, he's sad. And the king inquires about that sadness. And while he's just there before the king, his prayer goes up to the Lord, right? Uh, as he's uh, ready to answer the king. He just, I don't know if you're familiar with that. I, I talk like you are, but let's go back and just take a quick look at it. Nehemiah chapter one. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter one, we'll be right back to Colossians. so, um, actually it's chapter 2, sorry. So chapter 1, a short chapter where he first hears of the situation uh, in Jerusalem and he prays to the Lord uh, and asks for the Lord's help. And then chapter 2 has him before the king. And in verse 2, notice what is said. Um, well, actually, let's read verse 1 as well. It came to pass in the month Nisan, uh, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore, the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lies waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, and then he goes on with his request, right? So it's very interesting uh, how the, the, the scripture just inserts there that testimony of this man praying. So you know, I mean, he didn't get down on his knees and have a half hour prayer meeting, Right? He's standing in front of the king. The king is waiting for an answer to his question, and his heart just flies up to the Lord. And it's just a wonderful picture of the access that we have to God. And we have that access all day long. And so uh, the idea, I think, in part, in Colossians chapter 1 that our walk has this characteristic that we are increasing in the knowledge of God, that is because we are walking with God. We are walking in dependence upon God. We are walking in the Spirit. We're talking with Him all along the day of our walk, right? That kind of a thing. And uh, so it is, uh, It I think, bears that idea that because we are walking with God, we are getting to know Him better. Right? We're getting to understand Him better. We're, we're actually seeing Him work. Right, We're seeing Him work. We're seeing Him work in ourselves, uh, in changing us from what we were into what we know He wants us to be, Right, as we submit to Him, and to his will, as it's revealed to us in Scripture. So we're seeing him work in us. We're seeing him work in our situations, our circumstances. We bring our requests before the Lord, and uh, we find him answering and providing and uh, giving to us that which we need along the way. And so the result is we are increasing in our knowledge of God. So, this, this seems to be, again, not, not really, it's not to be viewed as an academic knowledge, but it's more of an experiential knowledge, right? Because we are coming to see and know God as we are stepping through life. Now, we talked very briefly in, uh, I think it was the Adult Sunday School, about Job. And his experience, and he experienced great hardship. But one of the results of his stepping through that hardship, okay? Let's again let's turn to Job and let him tell us, uh, so that I don't misquote him. Uh, so Job, Psalms, Proverbs. So just before the book of Psalms, we'll find Job. And let's do um, let's go to chapter forty two. And actually, let's uh, step back to chapter forty for a minute. So Obviously, when you're at chapter 42, you're in the last chapter. Chapter 40, you're almost the last chapter. So a lot of ground has been covered already in this book by the time you get to this point. And of course, there has been the dialogue between God and Satan in heaven uh, about Job. And God gives Satan permission to uh, take away that which Job has. But he is not to touch Job personally. And then uh, he's given permission to afflict Job physically, but he's not allowed to take his life. And so Job experiences all of this calamity, and it's just boom, 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 boom. It's like he's getting punched and punched again and punched again, right? With the news about his herds being taken and his flocks being taken and his children all dying. And then, of course, uh, the physical malady uh, that comes upon him. And then his friends, right, come. And uh, well-meaning, I'm sure, and uh, they do speak some truth, um, but there's the back and forth dialogue between Job and his friends and so on. And they're trying to figure it all out, right? They're trying to make sense of it, right? Here's this man, and he is a godly man. He was a godly man, especially from Job's standpoint, it's like, you know, I've... I've been faithful in my service to the Lord, and I protest my innocence, and so on. And yet, all of this has happened, and you know I can't figure it out. And God's not there, and I can't—you know—he seems so far away, and all of that. He's not reachable. Uh, And then God comes and talks with him, and reminds Job of who God is. Right as the creator of all things and the sovereign God. And notice in verse 40, chapter 40, verse 1, Moreover the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproves God, let him answer it. And Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. And then the Lord speaks some more to him. Again, testifying to the Lord's greatness. And then Job responds in uh, chapter 42, verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withheld from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, have I uttered that I understood not. The things that I said earlier, I didn't understand what I was saying. Uh, Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare unto me. Declare thou unto me. I think that's an example of what he was saying. And then he says this. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes, right? And so Job is humbling himself before the Lord. And that's because his vision of God is now clearer than what it was. Folks, it wasn't that he didn't know God at all. He did know God and he was worshiping God and he's training his family to know God and worship God, right? He did know God. He was a righteous man, following the Lord as best he knew how. But as he walked with the Lord through these times of trouble and testing, the result is an increase in the knowledge of God. Right? His vision is now clearer. He's seeing better than he saw before. Right, So that's what Paul is praying for. Right, He's praying for a walk... That will do that for us. And again, it's not just that you hear about Him. He's praying that we see Him. Right? That we, and again, not literally see Him, but that we see Him work. Right? We see the truth of His Word actually rubber hitting the road. Yes, it's true. And I know it's true because I lived it by God's grace, right? I followed him and I found his word to be true. Uh, you think of John Bunyan and his Pilgrim's Progress. And, you know, there's this wonderful picture of... Um, mental block. Is it faithful that crosses the river first? Um, and he calls back, I found the bottom, and it's sound, right? That idea that, you know, hey, we're, we're going to make it. Um, and so that's, I think, part of what Job, or, uh, Paul is praying for, for us, right? For these believers, we ought to pray for ourselves. It's this walk with the Lord that puts the Lord to the forefront and enables us to see him, to see him better, to see him clearer, to see him faithful to his word and to his promises. And that helps us then increase in this knowledge of him. So again, it's not a theoretical knowledge. It is a knowledge that is born out of the experience of living life with God. Right? And looking to him in our hard things and trusting him in those hard things and laying hold of the promises of his word and praying them back to God. Right, Saying, Lord, you have promised this. Here I am, and I am in this situation, and I am now asking you to help me, to help my family, to work and minister in our church, in our community, or whatever it is, folks, that we would actually call on God to do in our lives and in our living that which he wants to do. And that because of that, we come to know him better. That's what Paul is talking about, I believe. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, let's turn there for just a minute. This knowledge of God, there it's more specifically stated the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, but this is associated with spiritual maturity. right? So, So there is a growing process. Okay, by definition, if this is increasing, it used to be this much. And now it's this much. And now it's this much. And now it's this, right? It's increasing. So, this knowledge that we have of God, the idea is that it's increasing. In part, that's going to take time, right? Because you have to live it if this knowledge is is embedded in and and really part of our walk, it's going to take time, right? But it also has, in Ephesians 4, it's connected with that idea of maturing, going from child to adult on a spiritual level, okay? So Ephesians 4, uh, notice verse 11. He gave, that is Jesus, gave to the church some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, Unto a perfect man, a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, right? tossed to and fro. Okay, so so here, this knowledge of the Son of God is associated with this idea of spiritual maturity. Right, that's part of what we're doing here tonight. Okay, As a church, a local church, the word of God is being preached. And one of the purposes and the preaching of the word of God is to help us grow in our knowledge of God, our understanding of his word, and to lead us forward in spiritual maturity. Right? So this knowledge of God is associated with that. But I want us to take a look at how Peter deals with this in 2 Peter. And we're going to start with the last verse in the book. Isn't that the way you always start? I mean, go to the last page, figure it all out, and then go back and, you know, no, not really. But some people do. (laughs) See some heads nodding there. Okay. I don't know about you, but (laughs) you ruin all the fun. It's like someone telling you the story before you ever read it. It's like, what's the point of reading it then, you know? Anyway, we are going to start with the last verse. Okay, so Peter here is writing, and from what he says earlier in the book, he gives indication that he's likely going to die soon. And so one of his express purposes in writing was so that these people to whom he is writing, these believers, would always be able to keep in remembrance certain things. Right? He's wanting them to remember, not forget. And when he finishes then, these are the last written words of the Apostle Peter that we have. He says this, But grow in grace. By the way, that's our word increase. Grow, translated grow. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Right? So you, you want to hear the conclusion of the whole matter? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? And what we're going to see in just a minute is that what Peter has in mind is very much what Paul had in mind. This idea of a walk that measured, is compar- compares properly with the Lord and the gospel and all that God has done for us and so on, right? All of those things that we studied in earlier messages. Peter is going to touch on that very same kind of idea, right? And he's going to connect it with this knowledge of God, okay? So as he comes to the end, this final admonition is that we would grow, that we would increase in grace, and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Okay, let's go back to chapter 1. You know, when you think of what some of these apostles experienced, and you think of what job experienced you want to walk like that <laughs> you know on one level it's like lord i'm i am afraid i'm sorry to say that i mean here i am i'm the preacher right i just have to tell you in some ways it's fearful Because we know how frail we are. We have some idea of how frail we are. Right? And these people, right these, these folks in the Bible, they're real people. They were just like us. And they had some really hard things. Now, we have the wonderful testimony of the Lord seeing them right through all of that hard stuff. And so that does encourage me, right? And again, if we get our eyes off of the stuff and on the Lord, that will help us. But we must, I mean, really that, you know, the spirit interceding for us, how we need that, right? How we need the Lord and how he has promised and assured us of that. So that does encourage my heart, right? But I must, I, you know, just being totally honest, right? When you when you say, okay, do I really want to pray? What Paul is saying, I ought to pray. That I would have a walk. That I would really, truly, experientially increase in my knowledge of God. Like Job. Like Job increased. It's like, oh man. You know, I just don't know. But my confidence is that the Lord knows what I can, by His grace, bear. And He will never, I mean... I'll feel the bottom and it'll be sound, right? It'll never be that I have to walk through a raging torrent and I can't make it, right? Because God is faithful to his people, right? So uh, Peter, chapter one, second Peter, this knowledge of God idea. And notice how he emphasizes that here and how, also, how he associates it with our walk. A walk that is worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, fruitful in every good work. That's what you're going to see. Different words, but that's what you're going to see here in this opening chapter. Verse 2. Uh, well, actually, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained Like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's writing to believers. And really, you know, that it does start with your saving faith. Okay, that's where it has to start. You will never I mean, okay, increasing knowledge of God, it starts when you're saved. When you have heard the gospel message, you have repented of your sin, and you have called in faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. That's where your knowledge of God starts. Okay, So that's to whom he's writing. Let's look at verse 2. Notice, grace and peace. Remember at the end of the book, grow in grace. Grace and peace be multiplied, that's increasing, right? Multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord. And then he says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. All right. So uh, as He's uh, opening this book, He's talking about grace and peace again. Uh, uh, a common theme for the introduction of biblical epistles, but again, not wasted words, very important words. And he is clearly associating that with our knowledge of God. And then verse 3, this idea that we have been given everything that is necessary for life and godliness. That's a walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. We have been given everything necessary for that through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, right? So it's that personal relationship, that personal knowledge of God that is very much associated with your living a life of godliness, right? Then he says, whereby, okay, so by this God, by uh, this knowledge of him, by his call to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's that transformation, right? That Romans chapter 12 says, is talking about, where we present our bodies, the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what verse 4 is talking about. We are actually a partaker of the divine nature. In the language of Romans 8, that's Christ-likeness. Right? That's, what, that's what God is all about in us. That's what he's wanting to do in us. Right? That is our walk that is pleasing unto him. And besides this, giving all diligence add to your faith and then we have this list of things and we've looked at this uh, in recent messages right so i'm not going to uh, belabor that but you have all of this list verse 7 to godliness brotherly kindness to brotherly kindness charity now notice verse 8 for if these things be in you and abound what does that mean increase okay if these things be in you and increase they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in what? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's that knowledge of God again, right? And it's very much tied to a walk. I mean, if those things are in you and abounding, that's a walk that's worthy of the Lord. That's a walk unto all pleasing. That is demonstrating fruitfulness in the knowledge of God, right? And so Peter very much in desiring this growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he's very much connecting that with our conduct day by day as Christian people, right? Living this life. And, and right in there associated with it is this knowledge of God, right? And so what is interesting is that it's not just... It's not just by our reading of the Bible that we come to know God. It's also by our living of the Bible that we come to know God. And just saying... The God that we come to know by the living of the Bible is the same God that we come to know by the reading of the Bible. You're not going to find him any different. What you're going to find is that what he says really is true. It really is so. Right? You can count on it. Right? That's what you're going to find. So it's it's moving us out of the classroom and into the lab, if you will, right? There are some classes that some of our kids had, right? Science classes. You have the classroom where you're taught all the theory, and then you go to the lab where you catch yourself on fire. (laughs) She did. Casey. Talk to her about it. Ah, crazy. Ah, Anyway, she's still alive. We're all good, (laughs) right? Okay, but, but folks, that's the difference, right? You don't catch yourself on fire in the classroom right so it's it's taking us out of the classroom where we're just learning about God and we're actually getting out there and we're actually living what we're learning about God and it's pretty amazing because we're actually finding that this word is so that it's true that he hasn't lied to us right the world out there right doesn't get it but we've got it because we know God and we know him through his word and we start living that and we start seeing him faithful to that in a in a personal way like Job did. Right? I heard of you, the hearing of my ear, that's the classroom. But now I see you. I've gone into the laboratory of life and I've actually lived with you in those hard times especially. And I see you now, Lord. And I can rightly relate to you and humble myself before you and lay hold of your promises and really fully know the benefit and blessing of being a child of God. So Paul is praying for these believers, number one, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That is the classroom. And we need that. You can't, you can't short-step that. But he's also praying that we would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God is a very, 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 very special person. And the more we get to know him, the more we will love him. And the more we will desire to have the kind of walk that does please him. Right? It, you know, it works that way. right? Because he is so good. He is so perfect. There is no flaw, no shadow at all in him. And the more we come to know of him, The more we want, right, to know him and to serve him and to please him, to glorify him. You know, Paul comes to the end and he says, This is my desire, that whether by life or by death, Christ may be magnified. And we do that by a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this prayer of the Apostle Paul. Thank you for what uh, these words set before our minds. And as we compare these other scriptures, Lord, and we have some understanding of this privileged opportunity that we have to actually know you, because by your grace, we are following the counsel of your word We are endeavoring to do your will. We are desiring to escape the corruption that is in the world through lusts. We want to die to our members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, all of those covetousness, all of those things. We want to die to that. And we want to be alive unto you. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. You know our frame. You know we are dust. So be gracious to us, Lord, and yet at the same time, do help us to increase in our knowledge of you. That the reality of Scripture lived, the lived reality of Scripture would be what fuels our increasing knowledge of you. And may we be a blessing to those around us, Lord, as we bear faithful witness and testimony to a God who is faithful to his word. And so, Lord, we pray for your blessing. We pray for your help. Give strength to us, Lord. In the hard places, bear us up. Strengthen us. That's what we will study perhaps next week, Lord. We need your strength. And we thank you that you will provide it. How necessary that is as part of our walk as well. And so, Lord, we do thank you for these things. We pray that the reality of them might be known by each of your children hearing these words. In Jesus' name, amen.